0: Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 21, take one. Hey, this is Rackhouse Ramblings, I'm Jeff, and this is episode number 21. Uh, This is the first episode of season number two, you heard it right, this is the second season. Uh, And don't be surprised, I chose to call this the uh, second season for no other reason than I've hit the 20 episode plateau. That's right. So uh, when you get your own show, you can do the same thing. So that's why I did it just to call it season two. Anyway, I, I recently posted a pic on Instagram showing a handful of new bourbons uh, to sample. I won't give a give away the whole season, but there's a few surprises in the mix. Um, I'm excited for this season. I think you guys are going to be too. There's some pretty cool ones in there. Um, as you know, it's September, unofficial public lands month. Uh, September 26th, just so you know, is National Public Lands Day. And I'm not sure how I'm going to celebrate it, uh, but one way or another I will. I'll let you guys know and I'll share it with you and see what we can do to celebrate September 26th. Also, um, the weekend of September 19th and 20th. Here in Michigan, it's the early antlerless deer on private land weekend. Um, Keep in mind, if you look at the uh, hunting guide or the uh, you download from uh, the internet on the uh, DNR website, it's uh, only in specific deer management units. They call them DMUs. Luckily for me, my property up north is one of those. Um, It's a special weekend that allows for firearms, but uh, I'm going to try a crossbow and that'll be a first for me. Just around the corner also is October 1st, one of my favorite days. That's opening day archery season for deer. And don't forget September 11th coming up is Patriots Day. You know, September is one of my favorite months. Temperatures start cooling down. You might see some leaves start to change towards the end of the month. And I start daydreaming about sitting in my tree stand, the trees swaying in the breeze and me dozing off. I love it. Absolutely love it. Before I forget, um i'll give you guys an update on my hand and just to refresh your memory a couple weeks ago i cut my hand on a piece of mirror and it it sliced the knuckles on the back of my hand cut right through a couple of tendons so i had a surgery to reattach them, was successful from what the doctor says i guess you can't see it right so far so good um two days ago they took my cast off and, and uh uh pulled the stitches out and the stitches were kind of holding the skin closed. So they took those out and it felt so good because there was like this constant um, pulling on the skin and it was just driving me crazy. So while the cast was off, I cleaned up my hand, soap and water, cleaned up the wound a little bit, and then they um, recasted it. So I'll go back in two weeks for for another evaluation, but so far still good. I I still can't move those two fingers yet. It's my middle finger and my ring finger. And think of it this way, like those tendons are like small little cords um and they were cut clean right through. And what the doctor does the surgery basically just pulls them back together like tip to tip and then he does a quick stitch on there. Um to put them close to each other using like a surgical thread or whatever, right? And the tendons actually will heal themselves back together. The thread just holds them in place to kind of facilitate that healing process, you know? So you can't really pull on them, you can't test them, you can't do anything until they're fully healed back together, which is these telling me like six weeks or something like that. And that's the reason for for being in a cast for so long. I keep reminding myself, you know, it could always be worse. It sucks, but it could always be worse. So that's the update for me. My plan is to follow doctor's orders, stay in the cast, you know, uh, till the end of the month, probably rehab it for a few weeks after and then get back to work. And, you know, speaking of work, I miss it. I really do. Um, I miss the guys. I miss the action. I miss sirens, all that stuff. Um, Time off of work, time away from my friends really makes me think about how much uh, i enjoy what i do and enjoy being around the people you know that feel the same way but don't get me wrong i enjoy my time <laughs> i enjoy my time off too you know sleeping through the night and being in your old bed is pretty cool but there's something to be said about waking up you know with a purpose you know you have a reason to get moving a reason to get out of bed and i'm terrible at sitting still i just can't sit there and do nothing. I'm sure you guys are the same way, a lot of you. Um, I have some retired friends, and let me tell you, they still have a purpose, they have a reason to get up, even if, because they're just to retire doesn't mean you know, they don't really have purpose, but I'll save that for another podcast, you know, years down the road anyway. Um, Speaking of podcasts, let's get into it. So uh, for this podcast, I'm going to have a segment about CBD oil. Yep. Cannabis oil. Then I want to revisit one of those new favorite TV shows at Growing Belushi. And also I'm going to spotlight Boone County Distilling, one of the bourbon uh, distilleries I stopped at last weekend. It's an artisanal distillery Uh, it's going to be a great podcast we're going to taste some we're going to talk some and so stay right there we will be right back Before I start the segment, I got to tell you guys something. I sent out some pics of my hand. Some of them were right from the emergency room before I got stitches and all that. Some of them were after. And when you guys look at them, I know you're thinking to yourself, oh, shit, that's got to hurt. Well, at first when I did it, it didn't hurt at all. (laughs) That was a strange thing. The cut was like clean, like a razor, like a lightsaber cut. It didn't hurt at all. But I can tell you like later on, it really fucking hurt. <laughs> it hurt bad, especially uh, like right after the surgery where they reattach it together, you know, so you go for outpatient surgery and they send you home. Oh, this is great. No, it, nothing hurts because of all the anesthesia. I can tell you a few hours later, it hurt like a motherfucker. So the the doctor gave me a script and they give you a script for opiates, of course, narcos. And so I'm trying to be a good patient. I follow his discharge instructions. They take them every four to six hours, blah, blah, blah. So I Did it for like the first two days, and on the third day I just couldn't do it anymore. When you take those things, I felt like I was in a fog, almost like I was dizzy all the time. And then you don't shit. They don't tell you that on TV or any of that stuff. I was constipated for three days, and it was fucking miserable. I will tell you. So the fourth day I stopped taking them, and I switched to just ibuprofen. And I guess the good, it wasn't. I wasn't like foggy anymore. My hand felt a little bit better, Um, but that ibuprofen just put my stomach into knots. It was like having a stomach cramp all the time that won't go away. So after about another four or five, probably four days, I think I said enough of that. And I stopped those two and the stitches they're still in, in the cast, you know, underneath and they start itching like crazy. And during the day, I guess it's tolerable, but night when you're trying to go to sleep, it is really, really tough. And because you can't get comfortable and you can't really itch them and you know i'm sticking like popsicle sticks up into this cast trying to itch everything so finally you know i had to stop at my pharmacy and get some other uh, medications refilled and i asked my pharmacist um if she knew anything about cbd oil and i wasn't sure how she'd take it you know because it comes from weed and all that but she turned out to be really helpful and she was telling me she has never used it personally, but her mother-in-law swears by it. And she goes, you have to really be careful because it's not regulated. You don't know where you're going to get. And you have to buy from like a, a, a reputable person, a reputable company or whatever. And she mentioned um, going to a health food store in Livonia. It's called Zerbo's. She goes, they have a, a whole lot of products and the people there know what they're talking about. And so now... I, I, let me back up and preface this. It's not an advertisement, not an endorsement or anything. I just kind of sh- want, thought you guys uh, would want to hear. I'm going to share my um, CBD experience with you guys. So here it is. I went over to Zerbo's and um, I will tell you what, it helped a lot. So I'm the type of person I need to ask questions and I need I want to talk to someone that's used it firsthand, right? So I went over there and found someone. Sure enough, one of the staff um, spent about 45 minutes with me and Kind of recommended a specific product and a specific brand, um, and there's just like the reason is there's so much stuff out there it's overwhelming. If you Google CBD oil, you'll get thousands of freaking different places to look at. And not only that, like at Zerbo's, you go down their aisle and they have a whole freaking aisle devoted, you know, top to bottom, left to right, of all CBD stuff. And so when you look at them, they're all CBD oil, but apparently they have different concentrations and different dosages and drops, and it was like, holy shit. So this guy, like, started uh, talking to me and narrowing it down and talked about, like, um, using a liquid, they call it a tincture, and it's, like, concentrated stuff, and it comes in a bottle with a little dropper. And he goes, oh, you know, each drop contains three milligrams. Um, this is how you do it. You put it under your tongue. It gets absorbed, you know, for the vasculature under your tongue, and... Um, you guys, <laughs> let me say, another, you guys are probably thinking, oh, he's getting so high. Well, you don't get high from this. This is um, the part of the marijuana that's not psychedelic stuff. You know, that's what I'm not there for. That you know, I was there. The CBD is uh, extracted and separated from the psychedelic. That's the THC stuff. So I don't know if you guys know. I'm sure a bunch of you do. But so this guy went on to tell me this is what you use CBD. And it doesn't get you high or anything, but it really helps with. Uh, pain, and I wasn't sure, but I was just looking for something because it's not hurting, hurting, but it's always there. It doesn't go away. This what's going on in my hand. He goes, nor you could even use a topical like a ointment and put it directly on there. So he, I could have done that as well, but with the cast, I can't really do it. So anyway, he set me up with this tincture drops. So it's three milligrams per drop, and he goes, here, put three in the morning, three in the evening, right under your tongue. Give it a try, and. So I bought it, and I went home, and of course it tastes just like you would think, like weed, right? It like oregano or whatever you want to call it. That's what it tastes like, and it's green, and you look in the mirror so you can see it. You're just getting three drops, and I did all it, and this is what he explained to me. So I went home and tried it, and I wasn't sure what to think, but um, a couple hours later, holy shit, It, it, um, I don't know if it's hard to say. Was it a placebo? It could have been in my head. I don't know, but it worked, and it made my hand feel a whole lot better. It was a whole lot more tolerable and it wasn't like irritated and itchy with the stitches in and all. It just made it a lot more comfortable. And that doesn't sound like much, but when you're trying to go to bed and go to sleep, that made a world of difference. It made me I was able to get like comfortable position because like you're laying in bed, this cast it's like a giant lump of sandpaper wrapped around your head. And you try and move it around. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning and had um, scratches across my nose where in the middle of the night I must have tried to scratch my nose or something with the cast and it was actually like left a little scab. <laughs> so anyway, this stuff um, helped me fall asleep. It helped me during the day and it just made everything a lot more tolerable. Even after, So I went in uh, yesterday and they took out the stitches and I got another cast, but so I kept with it the three in the morning and three in the evening it just feels a whole lot better um and of course I'm not getting high I'm not getting stoned and of course I'll tell you again it's not an endorsement not an advertisement but I thought you guys might want to hear it because I've talked to so many people that have not taken it but you see all the ads so anyway I figured I'd pass it on to you uh CBD oil give it a try um Zerbo's Livonia I thought they were pretty cool Anyway, so there you go. That's that segment on CBD oil. Stay right there. We will be right back with the next segment. All right, we're back. Rackhouse Ramblings, second season. Actually, episode 21. I don't know why. I'm going to be bragging about second season for a while. <laughs> So anyway, I've been watching uh, a lot of TV and I mean a lot of TV. And uh, one show I'm really liking is this Growing Belushi show on the Discovery Channel. Um, The show follows Jim Belushi and he's trying to start a cannabis farm. It's funny. It's easy to watch. You know, it's one of them shows you don't have to think while you watch. And I say that because there's like this trend in TV that requires you to watch every episode back to back and you have to pay attention and remember all these details, all these specific who who's who and what's what, and it just sounds like a lot of work. Well, this show is not like that, not by any means. So they have three episodes. And I've, I've watched all three so far, and they don't disappoint. It's pretty funny. In the, the third episode, I'll give you a little teaser, but Jim Belushi, I'm not going to give away the whole show. I'll just give you a teaser. So Jim Belushi is in Columbia trying to find some specific seeds, cannabis seeds, right? The seeds are important because Dan Aykroyd uh, won't let Jim Belushi use the Blues Brothers name. Unless they get these three specific strands of cannabis. And, you know, he's trying to uphold the quality standards. The Blues Brothers name is so important. He just doesn't give to anyone for anything. And so anyway, wouldn't you know, Jim Belushi is on a mission to find them. And does it sound familiar? Like the Blues Brothers movie, like on a mission from God? I think that was the whole idea here. So that was the premise. He's on a mission with the Blues Brothers thing. You know, it's funny. I like it. So anyway, um, it kind of tied, tied into my CBD oil thing, I thought. So I figured I would talk about. In the latest episode, he does a tutorial. You'll see on how they extract this stuff from the plant. They use this CO2 extractor. And that's the same way that the, the CBD oil is extracted but in Jim Belushi's farm, he does it for the THC, the psychedelic part. So same process, different product. But if you're interested in the CBD part of it, um, watch the show and you'll see like a little segment on that. It's pretty interesting. Anyway, I think the show's funny. Um, check it out on Discovery Channel. And I even went to discovery.com and found the episodes on demand. You can check them out right there on their website. So there you have it on um, Growing Belushi Discovery Channel. It's funny. Check it out. Be right back with the next segment. All right, Rackhouse Ramblings is back. Like I said, this is season number two, episode 21, actually. Here we go. Um, Last weekend, Ann and I visited Kentucky, and we stayed a couple nights, had a really good time. Um, I visited four small, they call them artisan distilleries, and one of them uh, was Boone County Distilling. Went on a tour, had a tasting, bought a couple bottles, pretty cool. Uh, One of their bottles uh, that I bought that was called the Small Batch Bourbon, and we'll be sampling that in just a few minutes. But let's take some time and talk about Boone County uh, Distilling. Um, They were right off I-75, real easy to get to. They were uh, in this little industrial park and it's really like a small warehouse with a a retail shop up front. Um, Cool looking building from the outside. Uh, The tour showed us um, where it was made, where it was distilled, where it was bottled, where it was labeled. And I was standing in one spot the whole time. <laughs> it was that small. So like you could literally just... Uh stand and look at one spot and he goes oh here's the story turn left here's where it's uh distilled uh turn left again uh oh turn left here's the uh the sour mash turn left here's a distill and here's where we bottle it keep turning left and here's where we label it and last one more time uh, and here's where we box it and ship it out so it was all like in one um warehouse space it was pretty cool it was pretty i i like it the whole operation was small and when we visited there Um, There was three people working. Two of them were labeling the bottles and the third was giving us our tour. So how's that for small, right? Um, I thought it was more, I guess, um, I think of it as a different way, not so much as small, but personal. And um, I like the idea that each bottle is filled by hand by an actual person. It was labeled the same way and the bourbon gets made and distilled the same way. It's like one person. When you go to Jim Beam, when you go to Wild Turkey, when you go to uh, Heaven Hill, all these different places, they have pretty much like an assembly line. Once the barrel is emptied and poured, it goes into these machines and gets bottled. And it's like this little machinery line that fills the bottles, caps them, labels them, does all that. This place here is all by hand. And it reminded me of like craft beer, like Somebody really puts their heart and soul into it and makes it. If the label's crooked, um, you know who did it. And that was one of their jokes while we were there. So it was kind of cool. So um, we're in this building. We saw those things. And they show you where they grind the uh, the corn. They grind the barley. They grind everything. Make, uh, put it into the giant tub. Add... Uh, water add uh, the yeast and all that distill it down we got to see all those things which I I, that never gets old to me I really like it then we walked across their parking lot okay walk out the back door across the uh, parking lot and they had another uh, warehouse and it was really the rick house where they stack all the barrels and store them for aging and this one is different They don't have, um, if you've ever seen pictures, uh, it's all wooden structure where all the barrels are stored and they call it a rickhouse. And I have pictures here in my bourbon room of it because I really like wood and everything. This one's different is that it's not made out of wood. The barrels are stacked up on these metal, uh, almost like a pallet with a U shape that holds the, uh, the barrel. So there's like a, a, a U bar and a, so two barrels get stacked and then the next uh pallet goes on top of it and they get stacked one on top of the other and nothing's really wood, but it goes seven or eight uh barrels high and I'll try and put some pictures on Instagram. Uh when I drop I'll drop this podcast and then shortly after I'll put some of the pictures on Instagram so you guys can see. And so we, while we were back there like an interesting um side note is they were selling their used bourbon barrels for 150 each which was kind of cool. Not everyone does that. You have to uh, take it, you know, there's no deliveries or nothing like that for 150 bucks, throw it in your truck and you can uh, take it home. So that was kind of neat. Um, From the Rick house, we went back into the gift shop and did our tastings. And the cool thing about their tastings, they had like a placemat and um, at each, they had four circles and each circle had a shot or less than a shot. I mean, like probably less than half a shot, like a thimble amount and um, it had what you're drinking a little description I thought it was pretty interesting I'll try and post a picture of that as well and um, so two of the tastings were they are called clear whiskey Um, one was distilled from bourbon sour mash and the other one was distilled from rye mash and that's pretty much like moonshine so it's clear clear whiskey and they both tasted like like what you'd think like moonshine like alcohol so neither of us liked it and then um of course, they have their bourbon, we, we sampled that. And then at the other end of the paper was a, a bourbon cream. And that was the shit. I think that might have been the star of the show was bourbon cream. So, uh, of course, we had to buy a bottle of that, too. So I got a bottle of bourbon and a bottle of bourbon cream. But uh, before we get into the tasting, let's talk about Boone County distilling. Distilling, I should say. Um, When I was there, the guy rambled off all the stuff, and I remember it. So I had to go back to their web page. And what they have on their web page for history, it says in 1833 in Kentucky's Boone County, a region of proud limestone hills that gradually fell to their knees at the banks of the Ohio River, a man named William Snyder made a decision that would impact the region 182 years later, decided to buy a flour mill. And within three years, he'd be an operating distillery in conjunction with the mill. Soon his whiskey business was one of the largest in the nation and far exceeded his profits in flour. And while we might consider Snyder an extraordinary man, he was typical of those with the pioneering spirit back in the day. They saw opportunity and took risks. For them, the biggest risk was in doing nothing. It's in a similar pioneering spirit that Boone County Distilling Company is now making authentic bourbon whiskey in the northern hills of Kentucky. Their brand is a living tribute to those that came before them. Men like Snyder and others, including Colonel William Appleton, J.C. Jenkins, and James Gaff, Julius Freeberg and Levi Workum. Their stories infuse the Boone County brand with truth and determination. They are all part of the story. So this is kind of interesting. What they talked about was that if you had a mill and you were grinding flour, you're grinding corn, all these sorts of things, um, you had access to all the ingredients to make whiskey. And what they were finding was that you would grind flour. And if you held the flour, it might go bad. It might spoil. You might lose it to moisture or whatever. But If you uh, turned it into whiskey, if you boil, uh, add the right ingredients, boil it, distill it down, the whiskey won't ever go bad. The other thing was that it was used uh, instead of cash, they would use it for bartering and it ended up being worth more than the flour, more than the corn. So that's why these guys did it. Another interesting thing about Boone County Distilling is they're throwing out all these names. Now, none of those names are related to this distillery and really distillery is really new. But they're just trying to give you a feel of heritage and things like that and create this, uh, I don't want to say illusion, but create a front that they're part of all these guys when actually they're not, and they never claim to be, but it's part of their story. So I'll go on to say, born in 1833, reclaimed in 2015, that's when they went into business. The stories of these fabled pioneers who had the courage and vision to take the helm in Petersburg are not to be forgotten or laid down quietly. They imbue their character and that of all those souls who made Petersburg Distillery the crown jewel of Boone County, Kentucky. The Boone County Distilling Company spirits of today take inspiration from the best of these men, the courage of Reverend John Tanner, William Snyder's untamed creative spirit, the practical determination of Appleton, Jenkins, and Gaff, all tempered by the refined elegance invoked by Freeburg and Workham, a progression that itself mirrors the production and maturation of a fine bourbon whiskey. Those early pioneers have long since departed, but their influence is unmistakable in our craftsmanship. That's the promise in our brand's ethos, made by ghosts. An example of reverence for history can be seen in the brand's design, the number eight. Linking the words Boone and County reflect the original registered distillery eight designation. In these simple, honest ways, we honor those who came before us made by ghosts so that was the thing when you walked in their gift shop you'll see a sign that says made by ghosts and had pictures of all these people that they mentioned not that they're part of the distillery not that they have anything to do with the distillery or recipes or anything but it adds to the the heritage or whatever makes them feel like they've been around forever so anyway the place was cool guys were cool i would definitely uh, go there again check it out so without further ado I have a sample, a bottle here of Boone County small batch bourbon, straight bourbon whiskey. Now, the cool thing, when I was there, I asked the tour guide about small batch. Now, there is no uh, uh, rule or law or anything stating what the definition of small batch is. If you go to Maker's Mark, a small batch, batch could be 200 barrels. If you go to Jim Beam, it could be 200 barrels it could be 20 barrels so there is no rule or no defined uh, definition I guess for small batch but here at Boone County his small batch is eight barrels because that's how much room they have in there, I imagine but he, and that was a cool thing what's your small batch oh it's eight barrels Wow now to me that's pretty I'd like to know that stuff that makes a difference uh, as far as I'm concerned You know, it's more, and once again, it's more personal. So while I'm talking here, I am trying to uh, open this bottle up here. We'll see what we can do. Okay, now we're peeling off that wrapper. Sorry for all the extra noise here, but as you can imagine, doing this left-handed, everything takes a little bit longer. I was talking to a buddy of mine today and he said, Jeff, you're learning some new life skills. And I said, life skills, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, you're learning to do things (laughs) left-handed. I said, oh, that's a great life skill. That's a good way to think about it. There we go. That's more like it. So Bourbon County, small batch bourbon. What does it say on the back here? Sorry, I had to put on my glasses. So here we go. Bourbon County, small batch bourbon, 90.8 proof, born in 1833. I don't know why it says that. They started in 2015. Uh, William Snyder arrived in Petersburg, with a wheel of iron, a vision for prosperity in America's new West, what he found, a few steps from the banks of the Ohio River, was the intoxicating taste of opportunity. William and his brother John acquired the town's steam mill in 1833 and transformed it into a distilling giant, creating the finest straight bourbon whiskey. The work was as hard as charred oak knots, sweat and grit in the hot summers and snow and ice in the dark days of winter." We bottle this to honor our history, the Snyder Boys and the hardworking Petersburg locals. We honor their industry and determination with each bottle of our small batch straight bourbon whiskey. In the spirit of those who came before us, we are made by ghosts. There you go. Kind of the same thing. Has a picture of an old guy in the back. Not that he has anything to do with his company, but they're honoring him. So we're going to take a little sip here and some of my little shot. Oh, yes. Smells like bourbon. Oh, pretty good, pretty good. So it's really smooth on the palate, really easy. Not very. You don't get that acidity taste whatsoever. It's very much like a, to me, like a vanilla, like a caramel. And when you swallow it down, it has a very warm finish. No, no burn or anything like that. And it's a mild bourbon, I think. I think it's mild. Very easy drinking, very smooth. And I really like the nose on it too. Smells really, really good. I, I, I hope I'm describing it. Hopefully I get better as I go after the first season. Hopefully the second season I, I can describe these a little bit better. But here we go. Boone County small batch bourbon, 90.8 proof. And you're probably asking where you can get this. Well, you have to go to Kentucky and get it. I have not seen it in Michigan, and according to them, they have no distribution in Michigan. So the next time you're in Kentucky and you stop at a party store and you see Boone County, I'd give it a try, 90.8. So I'm gonna put this one away, and then I'm gonna be right back, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna sample the bourbon cream. And the way we're gonna do that is we're gonna make a root beer float with bourbon cream. Stay right there, it'll be just one second. right that was a quick second so here's what we're going to do when ann and i were done with our tasting they offered these craft drinks right you can get a old-fashioned you can get a manhattan or whatever but one thing they had was a a bourbon cream root beer float and that to us turned out to be the star of the show their bourbon is really really good i like it um but this recipe of the uh, uh, root beer float sounded so good to us so we tried it so Here's what I I recreated for the way they're making it, is the ingredients are uh, root beer and bourbon cream. And so here's how we go. I've got a tumbler glass, put ice in it, and to the glass, we try and use a good root beer. Bear with me here. Ah, son of a bitch. Hang on a second. Let me get my bottle opener. Okay, got that. Open. I'm going to pour in some root beer. And so right now I'm making a, making this in a tumbler glass, smaller glass. And I'm using a Costco root beer, IBC, really good shit. Then what I'm doing is pouring in uh, one ounce of bourbon cream. And when Ann and I made it the other night, we used a taller, like a pint, lasts like for a pint of beer and we used a whole ibc root beer and two ounces of bourbon cream so now i'm gonna use half a bottle and one ounce of bourbon cream into a tumbler and my ounce is very generous very very generous uh, let's see so it turns the root beer into like a really creamy looking uh Almost looks like a coffee, but so, so good. Let me taste. Mmm. Imagine like a really creamy root beer over ice. It is so good, so refreshing. So there you have it. Boone County small batch bourbon and also the Boone County bourbon cream. Check it out. Uh, I'm sure you can use any bourbon cream to make this drink, but we have happen to have Boone County. So there you have it. Episode uh, 21, season two. Uh, We'll be back in probably a few more days, maybe over the weekend. I'll I'll come up with some new material and we'll talk about some other stuff. You guys be safe, be good. And I will talk to you later. Rackhouse Rambling signing off.